0: Entrepreneur on Fire 1057.
1: Walk with integrity, talk with integrity, and think with integrity.
0: Hey, Fire Nation, and welcome to EO Fire, where I chat with inspiring entrepreneurs seven days a week. Ready to set and accomplish your number one goal in 100 days? Introducing my passion project, The Freedom Journal. This leather-bound journal will guide you in the setting and accomplishing of your goal in 100 days. Text JOURNAL to 33444. Ignite. Fire Nation, ready to turn your big idea or best Instagram photos into a great book? Try Blurb's free book layout software. Visit blurb.com slash fire today. Posting jobs in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. ZipRecruiter can help, and today you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Visit zipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's zipRecruiter.com slash fire. Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. Johnny Doom is here, and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, Belinda Coker. Belinda, are you prepared to ignite?
1: John, I do believe
0: I'm in the hot seat. Yes, you are. And Belinda (laughs) brought the EnviroSax from Australia to the USA back in 2011. Seen on the arms of major celebrities, the brand grew from humble kitchen table beginnings to become the world's most popular reusable shopping bag. Belinda, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse into your personal life.
1: Certainly, John. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm a woman who is passionate about my business. I'm lucky enough to work the hours I want to, earning a decent income to sustain the lifestyle I choose to spend with the people who are the most important in my life, for, which right now for me are my three children. I live in the rainforest in Burley Heads on the Gold Coast in Australia and if any any surfers out there know it's, it's famous for its fabulous Point Break. I travel a lot with my children, I'm passionate about community, I try to teach my children the importance of this and how lucky they are actually when my children turn 14 I take each one of them to a third world country and we work in an orphanage for a week wow. uh, my, <laughs> my middle daughter is up next and we're off to India, it, it really gives them a sense of how lucky they are and the one other thing is as I love my work and as I will expound on later I've managed to single out the work that I'm good at and license out the tedious bits which don't excite me
0: wow I mean I love how you started this and I love how you ended it where did you take your first child Thailand Thailand Wow! I can tell you I spent uh four months in Guatemala back in 2007 and and did some work at an orphanage there and and that's I mean that really does ground you about just how lucky you are
1: Yeah, it really does. And when they're 14 and they're just at that really impressionable stage of, you know, you know, we've got all the social media there with the kids now and, you know, it really takes them back to what it's all about.
0: Now, that's the kind of stuff that needs to be mandatory, you know, not algebra, (laughs) but that kind of stuff. So Belinda, let's say you're at a networking party and someone walks up to you and says, what exactly do you do? How do you respond in just 10 seconds?
1: Okay, well, I assist people negotiate manufacturing and production in China and Taiwan. I smooth out production issues when they arise, and by offering these services at the start of their supply chain, we generally help clients increase their bottom line.
0: We might have to talk. I got something going on in China <laughs> as we speak, so... <laughs> But Linda, you have your entire business dialed in. I mean, you figured out how to scale, how to leverage, how to enjoy what you do, and how to take the things that you don't necessarily like and and outsource them, or at least bring in a team. I mean, this is all amazing stuff. But things haven't always been amazing. And I say that with confidence because you're an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. We go through the bad times. We go through the good times. And we know that there's going to be some rocky roads ahead. That's just the world that we live in. If you had to say in your journey thus far, what would be your worst entrepreneurial moment? And really, get us down there, Blinda. Tell us that story.
1: It basically... Was right in the thick of Envirosax, and um, can I just tell you a little bit about Envirosax? Yeah, and I'll how that it. started Because then that'll actually lead us into what actually happened. So um, I'll just I'll, I'll just quickly um, gloss over it. But back in back in 2004, when environmentalism was a con- uh, concept in its infancy, I was living in a house off the grid with only rainwater. So my family and I are pretty much caring for the environment right at the early stages. Anyway, so I. I had this idea to create a a reusable grocery bag that you know that looked good and um, my first prototypes were the regular tote bags and it took a few months to realize that these didn't fill the need that was out there so I had to develop something which was portable so the bags weren't left in the hall closet so to speak. So I came up with this brilliant idea, and um, long story short, it became a it became um, it became a huge success. And um, uh, you know, there's a there's a you know lots of bits and pieces happened in between. But over the next four to five years, um, we um, EnviroSacs basically grew uh, ex. Uh, exponentially and uh, rather unsustainably we basically grew so fast and we had to downsize now many people have read the e-myth but i didn't Mm. (laughs) and um i'm not going to sugarcoat my journey as an entrepreneur so many people have this expectation that you have to be good at everything and enjoy it um so but a management consulting board was brought in to assist the restructure and I was in a meeting and I intuitively knew that a decision that was being made was the wrong one well not so much the wrong one but they were going about it the wrong way but at the time and you know and I was and it, I, I think I was pretty naive at the time I just didn't have anything to back it up with it was to close the EU office mm. the end result was that it cost far more than what was expected both both monetary-wise and from a brand perspective. No money was saved, but we sustained terrible losses from that decision. And from that, I have learned, it's a number one lesson, that entrepreneurs usually have a heightened intuitive sense. And you've just got to use it, you know it was also around about that time that I, I I had lost my initial passion for the business. And, you know, if we can go into the story of how the business was built up, it was like this huge, big sort of, um, you know, wave. <laughs> and um, uh, it, well, I was around that time, I kind of lost my initial passion for the business and the brand. I was running a company. I was running this big company and, for, and it really just wasn't me. I no longer held the passion, which was the designing of the bags and the production. And I knew that I needed an exit strategy and not necessarily for the business, but for myself.
0: Now, Belinda, I want to jump in here because you're sharing a lot of great things, and one of the key points that we talk about all the time because this is something that I mean, you know, in the over thousand interviews that we've done, it just seems like you know, in twenty five to thirty percent of them, the biggest failure moment has come when. These guests of Entrepreneur on Fire don't listen to their gut, don't listen to their intuition and see these red flags and feel the red flags, but ignore them and push forward. So, Fire Nation, believe me when I say, and when Belinda says, you need to listen to your intuition. We're not just saying, like, follow your intuition blindly. We're saying, hey, at least listen to it. Sit back and say, there's a reason why my gut is giving me this emotion right now. I need to actually sit back, give myself some space, and identify that. And Go forward in the right direction because we can start something that we love and it can grow into something that we absolutely hate. And Mm -hmm. and Belinda was heading in that direction. I mean, that's kind of a scary thing and that's something we really need to think about. That's why I need to be deliberate and intentional along the way. So Belinda, that's my big takeaway from your worst entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. moments. What do you want to make sure Fire Nation really gets from that period in your life?
1: Basically, if you are in that situation, if you can pick the bits of a business that you like and be able to to separate that and be able to keep that, and if it's something which you're passionate about and something that you love, you, you still have all that experience that goes along with that. You've still got a lot of relationships that you may have built with doing the part of the business that you actually did like. So don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater.
0: Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, this is a little bit of a foreshadow to a future question in the lightning round, Fire Nation. So stay tuned with how Belinda handles that. But what I want to do, Belinda, is shift and talk about a different story. This one being an epiphany, an aha moment, when a light bulb went on in your journey. So take us to that story and tell us that moment in time.
1: I think that I've had about two aha moments and the first was the conception of EnviroSax when I was looking down the barrel of going back to work with my two youngest children under 18 months old and I just wasn't liking my options and a lot I think a lot of people actually find themselves in this position where you know that they, they've got to go back into corporate they're thinking about especially women they're thinking about dropping the kids off at, at mm. childcare at 7am and picking them up at 6.30 or having a nanny bring up the children and and I just did not want to do that. And so uh, late one night, I opened up a bottle of wine and just drew out the business mud map. And that was the start of Envirosax. Wow.
0: <laughs> so Fire Nation, there's a lot of things going into this. And what I really kind of want you to pull out, Belinda, is like, what were the steps that you took After having this idea, this aha moment that, you know, really started to get you down the road towards success.
1: I sent my first prototype off to China as as local production was looking way too expensive to be financially viable. And it probably took about 18 months to get it right. And, um, you know, we're talking about back in 2004 where, you know, the internet wasn't as vast as what it is today. And you don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of small businesses just didn't have an internet presence. Um, it was only really large companies that had the internet presence. Um, but anyway, I, I basically I managed to do it I think I found somebody in the yellow pages you know we're going back that far so I started anyways but I, I finally I finally got you know some production going and I started to produce and sell in Canada and Australia and Canada because of similarities between the two countries and Canada at that stage had begun to develop environmental strategies at a corporate level so it was an easy target market and um, so over the next year we attended trade shows in Europe and, and very quickly expanded now i knew the usa market had huge potential but believe it or not america was not environmentally aware back then and right. we're talking about 2007
0: i mean that's yeah. the thing too it's hard to generalize because there are definitely parts and pockets sure. of america like california you know good yeah. portions of the northeast but i mean America's a huge country there's vast yeah. amounts that still is not very environmentally friendly
1: But nowadays, you know, states like California—they're just at the forefront. You know, they—they really are. So, so it's. uh, (laughs) I love America. (laughs) Are you
0: talking trash about USA? (laughs) Just
1: kidding. (laughs) Um, but anyway, but the funny thing is, like, I remember I started to door knock. I was, no, I was knocking on. I was, um, I was contacting sales reps, distributors, and I just got repeatedly knocked back. And I can remember someone saying very pointedly to me, "Well, we just don't need them here. I doubt anyone would want to carry their own bags. I just can't see it." You know, <laughs> like, seriously, this is you know, but this is back in the olden days. <laughs> but anyway, I persevered mainly because the brand was becoming successful from other parts of the world, so I knew I was to a good thing. Thank <laughs> you. And um, so we we, we showed it at, at a New York gift fair, and I can remember we had thirty five orders from people who liked those cute little bags. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, and I actually thought we'd done quite well. I can remember saying to my staff, "Well, it's a start." Right. <laughs> and then over the next six months, things changed dramatically. A journalist coined the phrase "going green," and the next trade show, we were six deep at the booth, and ended up with that problem that it can potentially be. Designed disastrous but which everyone wants where production can't keep up with demand and you know basically the rest was history <laughs>
0: well, that is a problem you're right that everybody does want to have is like okay people are buying more stuff of mine than I actually have let's get back and crank things up but you know the reality is that does come with its own set of issues as well I mean there's always that happy medium that we all kind of want to operate, where we're growing at a nice, steady, and profitable margin. So, Belinda, there's a lot of stuff that I'm pulling out of your aha moment. You know, number one would be hustle. Like, you had to hustle. You had to just face fear, face rejection, have doors slammed in your face, have people talk down to you. You know, kind of reminds me of the guy back in 1899, who he resigned from the patent office because he said, I've, I've worked here for 20 years. There are no more unique inventions that will ever be invented. They've invented them all. And that was in 1899. So just imagine how wrong that guy was. And that's, that's a story that I think about, you know, whenever I, I hear somebody say or kind of poo poo an idea, I'm like, man, you know, a 20 year veteran of the U S patent office, like the top guy thought that there was no more inventions that were forthcoming. So we quit. Uh, there's just, it's mind boggling to see where we stand today. So what I want to move into now, Belinda, because we're entrepreneurs, we're looking to grow viable businesses. How do you generate revenue today?
1: Okay. Well, after my, uh, the worst entrepreneurial moment, I, I, I decided when I when I didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, <laughs> I kept the part of the job which I love, which is designing and production, and I licensed out all the other bits and pieces. So basically, um, what I do I, uh, I, from this, I get an ongoing passive income from license fees, and plus I contract out my services to the licensees for the designing and, ma- and the manufacturing, and it, it's a great gig. I do exactly, I I love it. I, I design and and um, and I have this passive income, and this um, the second um, um, sort of form of income, which comes from uh, which comes to me now, is be- from Beluco Consulting, which I've uh, um, Beluco Consulting was born um, when I was uh, when I was actually leaving, Envi- uh, not leaving Envirosets, uh, but when I was licensing out because I had a team in China, a number of people had come started to ask me how to produce in China and what they needed. To do and asking for assistance, so we started to contract out my staff for sourcing suppliers and conducting the quality control. And so Beluco Consulting started from a need in the marketplace. So that's where my main, well, that's where my two my main two strains of income come from.
0: So Belinda, what's your biggest weakness as an entrepreneur?
1: I'm too nice. Um, people management is not one of my strengths. Um, I think o- a lot of entrepreneurs, they you know, they love the relationships. They love having you know, they they love networking with people and and all that sort of thing. But um, for, for for me, it's the people management. It's it's the it's it's being you know, the being the tough. It's probably uh, it's really not my my thing. Which is probably why I manage staff in China so well. Culturally, they never <laughs> ask why. They just
0: do. <laughs> that can be good and bad. That can be good and bad. Now, Belinda, I want to dig a little deeper because, you know, saying that you, one of your, or your biggest weaknesses is that you're too nice is kind of like sitting in a job interview and saying, yeah, my biggest weakness is I'm a workaholic. I mean, it's like, you know, that's what everybody wants to hear. But so dig a little deeper. I get it. That's a weakness. But like, what is one of your weaknesses that you would love to improve upon?
1: Time management. I'm very easily distracted by a new idea or a new, you know, a new pattern or, you know, I'll be walking on the street and I, oh, that's a lovely color for a bag. And suddenly I'll just be <laughs> off and I'll start designing and, The you know. bright,
0: shiny object syndrome, <laughs> weapons of mass distraction just coming down upon you, Belinda. And hey, of everything that you have going on, what's the one thing that has you most fired up right now?
1: What really gets me going is helping people to do what they need to um, and and this this comes from some of the calls I get um, uh, for example I was approached by a woman the other day who had borrowed probably up to about $40,000 to get a container of some new product produced, she had done no due diligence, um, we doubt there was any quality control whatsoever and she'd, she'd borrowed this money, so a container of unsellable goods had arrived on the shore um, down in Sydney down on the shores, and she wasn't able to recoup her investment, let alone make any profit. And this kind of thing gets me worked up. But being able to stop issues like this happening for people—that's what gets me fired up. Because I, it, you know, it, uh, uh, there's a lot of tears when people are uh, producing in China. There's a lot of hair pulling. There's a lot of tears. There's, you know, some people lose a lot of money.
0: Scary. And speaking of fired up, I mean Fire Nation. We're about to enter the lightning round, but before we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Looking to grow your team, but not sure where to find the best candidates? As a business owner, I can tell you that your company is only as good as the people you hire. Finding quality candidates is tough, and it takes time and hard work, but when you're looking to hire the right people right now, there's no time to deal with dozens of different job sites until now. Thanks to ZipRecruiter.com, you can post to 100 plus job sites with one single click and be instantly matched to candidates from over 6 million resumes. Just post once and within 24 hours, watch your candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses. Now that's what I call proof of concept. Today you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Visit ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. One more time to try ZipRecruiter for free, visit ziprecruiter.com slash fire. A custom book can do a lot of things. It can highlight your expertise. It can showcase your best work and it can give you an opportunity to profit from your smarts. This is where Blurb comes in. As a leading self-publishing platform, it's never been easier for you to take your best ideas and turn them into bookstore quality books and professional ebooks. Choose from Blurb's free book creation tools that allow you to drag and drop images and import Word docs into custom layouts. You can even create a print book and ebook at the same time. Plus, if you already have your book project in PDF format, you can easily upload it and order. Print one book at a time with print on demand or print in volume with offset for deeper discounts and a lower per unit cost. Ideal if you're looking to sell your books in the Blurb bookstore or on amazon.com. To learn more about how Blurb can help you turn your book into reality, visit blurb.com slash fire. That's blurb.com slash fire. Belinda, are you prepared for the lightning rounds? I sure am. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: Nothing, actually. I was blissfully unaware when I first started. I just had no fear.
0: (laughs) What's the best advice you've ever received?
1: Walk with integrity, talk with integrity, and think with integrity.
0: What's a personal habit that contributes to your success?
1: I swim. I swim one hour four times a week. You know when you know when people say to you when you're stressed, "Oh, take a few deep breaths," and you go kind of go. Ah, and, oh, done that. And well, <laughs> swimming swimming makes you take a deep breath and let out slowly. On average, every six seconds. Plus, your distraction as you're swimming your lane is minimal, as all you can see is the bottom of the pool. And plus, I have a waterproof MP three player.
0: Oh, that's yeah. huge, by the way. And I was actually picturing you swimming on Point Break out there. So. Nah,
1: nah. I guess the pool,
0: okay, we'll take it. But what's an internet resource like Evernote that you can share with our listeners?
1: Okay, my my internet resource is a bit obscure and it came about because so many applications are not available in China, such as Google Apps, Dropbox, Basecamp, and even Skype is run for a third, third party. So this might be very interesting for anybody who has staff or is dealings with China. So we use Bitrix 24. It's basically a united workspace that handles CRM, file sharing, time management, task allocation, calendars, email, and even has video conferencing.
0: If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why?
1: It would have to be The Book of Success by Napoleon Hill. And basically, because it covers everything, it's just classic advice. It never goes out of fashion.
0: I love it. No, Outwitting the Devil and his other great book, Think and Grow Rich, are two that always get mentioned. But I think this is definitely an overlooked one. And Fire Nation, I know you love audio. So I teamed up with audiobooks. And if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audiobook for free at eofirebook.com. And Belinda, this is the last question of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days?
1: I'm going to talk really fast here because I've got a lot to say. (laughs) Now now some of my 500 week journey may be only applicable in Australia. Secondly I'll be setting myself up to do exactly what I would love to do as a life choice and when you do that by nature the rest will follow. And one other thing my passion is is non-organic GMO gardening. (laughs) So day one Internet connection, high mobile phone, under hundred dollars. Put together a basic website, blog, Facebook, and other social media applications. In the afternoon, I'll be researching people who are land banking in Australia. Property owners are on a register, identity, um, on a register, and identify. And you can identify land in the area of a t- uh, twenty-kilometer radius of where I want to be. I'll research my go-to person at local council and chamber of commerce for networking. Every evening that week will be spent drawing up a basic business proposal and tirelessly, tirelessly working on the social media campaigns. Day two, three, and four, I'll hire a car under $200. I'll spend it meeting landowners, council, local community groups, and the men Shed organization, which is a non-profit, community-based organization that gives older generation who have moved to the city in an a place to potter around and, and teach the younger generation about all the skills that are slowly being lost. And it's this group I want to target to get on board from experience I know that I will get buy-in. By this stage, I'm confident I would have found a property developer who is willing to lend, that, lend the land out for a community cause for a minimum period of two to three years. Day five, I'll reach out to local media, telephone, uh, sorry, television, radio, and newspaper, and ramp up my social media. I will research local business that will hire me out a mini excavator. I, I picture I will only need about a one ton. Now this may be a major expense, but that would bake the budget. However, I am pushed the community. Organization aspect of it, and seen uh, as I'm targeting local businesses, it's likely I'll be able to wrangle some sort of deal. I've worked on one of these before, so I'm confident I'll be able to use it myself and not have to hire labor. I would buy irrigation pipe and tools off some community sites, such as Craigslist or Gumtree in Australia, and then I would buy some vegetable seeds, and this is probably my cheapest purchase. Day six, I would start digging with what I need to start with. I'm willing to bet it would take me probably about six hours max with a couple of coffee breaks. Day seven, community working bee with a local sco- school I brought on board, community organizations such as Men's, Sheet, Men's Shed and Invite the Media, and that evening I'm going to take a long hot bath. <laughs> what I will have achieved is a community garden, it, which involves the older generation who are full of knowledge or give them a sense of involvement with the community, provide local schools with a curricular activity. I'm thinking on am bringing on at least one school group per day each week. I'll provide fresh, v- fresh vegetables for those community organisations that feed or provide food for families who have struck difficult times financially due to various circumstances. Plus, as a week ago, I didn't know anybody. I would have made quite a number of friends and acquaintances and that's one basic human need that needs to be filled.
0: Man, I mean, Fire Nation, <laughs> that is what you call a detailed answer to the $500 question. I mean, all the way down to the bath that she did deserve, by the way, she did deserve <laughs> that bath. So Belinda, let's end today on fire by you sharing a parting piece of guidance, the best way we can connect with you, then we'll say goodbye.
1: You're never too old um, and the, the the cloud is never too great to Turn, turn everything around and do something. Um, I'm, I'm now 50 years old and I'm looking for anything exciting to do that's around the corner. Mm. There's no limit.
0: And what's the best way we can connect with you? The best
1: way to connect with me is through my website, which is beluko.com. That's B-E-L-L-O-U-C-O.com or through Facebook or LinkedIn, Belinda Coker.
0: Love it. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with Belinda and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com and just type Belinda into the search bar. Her show notes page will pop right up with everything that we've talked about. Her website, her recommended book, resource, all the goodies. And Belinda, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Brilliant. Thanks, John. It
0: was a pleasure. Fire Nation, thank you for joining us on EO Fire. Visit EOfire.com for links to everything we chatted about today, killer resources, free trainings, and so much more. Join me on our upcoming live podcast workshop where I'll teach you how to create, grow, and monetize your podcast, answer any questions you have, and give you a special gift. Text PARADISE to 33444 and we'll reserve your spot. Today is your day, Fire Nation. Ignite.